Between the Headphones, a Georgia sports podcast. I'm John James, sports editor at Red and Black, and we're host for this podcast series. Each week, I'll talk to Red and Black sports reporters to get the pulse of UGA athletics straight from the story. This week, I'll be joined by Red and Black assistant sports editor Owen Warden and football beat writer Samuel Hayes. Up first, we'll talk to Sam about Georgia's 31-20 win over Missouri on Saturday. Welcome back to the show, Sam. It's always a pleasure to be here, John. So it was it was a very fun matchup this weekend. There were a couple of lead changes going both ways. It was a close game in the fourth quarter, and Missouri actually put up more yards on Georgia than any team this year. How are they moving the ball so well during the game? I think Missouri just has a really good scheme just in general. They know what their players' strengths and weaknesses are, and you can tell that by the way they ran their offense. One of the things that I noticed was just how they attacked down the field in the first half seemed like Theo Weiss was catching back shoulder ball after back shoulder ball. Uh, Luther Burden is also the standout dude that we mentioned last week, and he played very well in the first half, getting that touchdown at the beginning in the first drive. And then we also saw the second half, how they were able to adjust to Burden going out and prioritizing Cody Schrader. He finished the first half with, what was it, 32 yards, and then somehow turned, not somehow, but he turned that into 80 yards in the second half, jumping up his yards per carry. Seemed like every handoff he was getting, it was bouncing it outside, and he was getting a chunk of yards every single time. But yeah, no, I think Missouri just has a really good offensive scheme in general. Yeah, uh, I, I think the Cody Schrader point is interesting in particular because like that's a walk-on running back who's looked better against Georgia than any running back this season. And the last big running performance Georgia gave up was against Auburn, and they had a, like a QB option scheme, which also attacked the outside, like Missouri did. So I'm, I'm getting a little bit worried about Georgia's ability to contain outside runs, though like interior runs, they've been completely dominant in the season. No one's been able to, to attack Georgia on the interior. But when you go around the edge, Georgia gets a little bit iffy in the running game. So I think that's something to monitor going forward. I think another thing that you have to monitor, especially after this Missouri game, and I think it's been a trend you know, throughout the season, has been the quarterback run. You mentioned Auburn. Auburn was able to run with their quarterback very well. In the first half, they were able to run with the quarterback very well. It seemed like he was escaping pressure and just running up the middle, getting chunk of yards every single time. Um, so that's just like another aspect of the run game. It seems like outside and then quarterback runs uh, are the things that are getting them. Yeah, you also mentioned the passing game a little bit from Missouri, Luther Burton, Theo Weiss. How did Georgia's secondary hold up against those offensive weapons? At the beginning, it was not the prettiest sight. What I will say, though, is I was a really big fan of doing three corners. I liked the idea of moving Kamari Lasseter to the inside and playing the slot nickel position. I thought that was a great adjustment. But if we're talking about how the secondary played against Missouri, it seemed like... Missouri was targeting wherever Dalen Everett was. It seemed like he was getting just most of the balls that they were throwing his way. But I will say the secondary played better in the second half, and I think that's primarily one of the biggest reasons why they leaned on Schrader in the second half is just because I thought Julian Humphreys, who who came in this game and was playing majority outside, I thought he played really well this game. Um, I didn't like the defensive pass interference call that they had on him. I thought uh, I thought he just played that ball really well. And then I just think Kamari Lasseter is a baller in general. And then you also got to look at the safeties. Bullard got up for his first interception of the season. Couldn't have come at a better time to seal the game. Tyke making a huge play, sacking Brady Cook, you know, in the third quarter. And then you also saw Malachi was able to get involved in the passing game as well with a pass breakup of his own. Secondary played well, but, you know, Missouri is a very talented offense. 
Yeah, I, I agree with you that I think moving Kamari to the slot for this game was smart because they move Luther Burden all around on that offense. So you kind of want to match that versatility. But I do think that when you moved Kamari inside, it was clear that like Brady Cook, the Missouri quarterback, he was not afraid of Georgia's outside corners. Mm -hmm. He was throwing at them all game. He was trying to hit back shoulder throws. He was trying to hit deep balls. And some of those connected, and some of those Georgia's corners held up on. And that's just something to monitor going forward if they continue to use Kamari as a slot guy. But moving to the other side of the ball, Carson Beck is the other quarterback in this game. His second-ranked opponent in his first uh, season as a starter. How did he look in this one? I thought he looked fine. I don't. He didn't do anything that, you know, particularly wowed me and he didn't do anything that scared me in any way i thought he was able to avoid pressure very well i thought he was able to connect with his receivers you know he finished the day 21 of 32 254 passing yards and two short touchdowns one to dominic lovett and one to oscar delp but i would i'd say overall carson beck played well and i think he was probably one of the better points on offense this past week yeah in the first half i, I had a couple concerns about him he was he looked a little bit skittish at times, but in the second half, he really got on a roll. I think that's a little bit because the, the running backs started to really establish their will. The offensive line stood up. The offensive line was not good in this game. Mm -hmm. That first half was rough. Three sacks right out of the gate. Literally half of the team sacks they've given up the season were just in that first half. They had six up to that point. They gave three in the first half. Carson Beck was under fire, and they shored up in the second half, which led to four straight scoring drives for Georgia. Uh, but speaking of those four straight scoring drives, what do you think was going on on offense in that second half? I think you mentioned it perfectly. The running game picked up in the second half. It seemed like they weren't really able to get much done in the first half running the ball. But in the second half, Dejan was able to carve out some solid runs. Kendall Milton had some solid runs. He had that 15-yard rush to the end zone. I think you said it perfectly. It's just the running game picked up, which made Carson Beck feel a little bit more comfortable knowing that he had something else to rely on instead of just himself. He was able to complete the ball downfield to Ladd and to some of his other guys, and I just think they were able to consistently drive the ball down the field just because they didn't have to rely on one specific aspect. And you get the ball consistently down the field, you're going to end up in points. And I thought, you know, taking advantage of every opportunity that they had, especially in the third quarter, getting two touchdowns, and then in the fourth quarter, getting two field goals, they took advantage of what they were able to do getting down the field. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um Sam, what was your biggest takeaway from Georgia's 30-21 victory over Missouri? I think my biggest takeaway is just how impactful this win is for the SEC East. I thought if anybody was to kind of like derail Georgia's season or at least give us a scare in any way other than this Ole Miss game, it was going to be Missouri based off of the way they played. But they pretty much shirt their spot up in the SEC East. And I think barring results from, you know, these upcoming games against Ole Miss and then going to Tennessee, it's looking like Georgia's going to be back in the SEC championship representing the East. And it's looking like it possibly might be a matchup against Alabama. But the other takeaway that I had is some of the other things that I mentioned and even you mentioned as well. If they're going to continue to throw Kamari in the slot, we need to figure out something on the outside, whether that's moving either Julian Humphreys or Dalen Effort inside and keeping Kamari outside. And then just the other aspect of stopping the quarterback scramble, because that seems to always be something that's getting them. But overall, I think it's just how impactful the win is on the SEC East. Yeah, I think the broad view, obviously, is that Georgia is firmly in the driver's seat in the SEC East. They either need to win one of their next two games or they need Missouri to lose, essentially, to clinch. But like looking at just the game in general, I think my takeaway was that Georgia's defense isn't the former Georgia's defense we've always seen in the past. It's still a very good unit, but it's not a unit you can 
totally expect to shut down the opposing offense entirely. You're going to need the offense to carry some of the load for this team. And on Saturday, they, de they definitely did that. Completely agree. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much for coming on the show, Sam. It's always a pleasure to be here. Now, we'll be joined by assistant sports editor Owen Warden as we look ahead to George's matchup against Ole Miss on Saturday. Welcome back to the show, Owen. Absolutely great to be back on the show, John. So, yeah. Coming off of the last game against Missouri, Ole Miss is another team with a pretty highly regarded offense in the SEC. What makes their attack different from what we saw from Missouri on Saturday? I think it's interesting because there's a lot of parallels. You know, both teams have a really successful quarterback that's playing at a really high level. Jackson Dart for Ole Miss, Brady Cook for Missouri. Both teams have really talented running backs in Quinchon Judkins for Ole Miss, Cody Schrader for, for Missouri. We saw how well and, and, and talented that Judkins was, especially last year when he went over 1,500 yards. He's not having that kind of season, but he's still a player that can have plenty of success. He's had multiple 100-yard games this season. And they also got Trey Harris at wide receiver, uh, a very talented player in his own right. Um, so there's they've definitely got offensive pieces. But I think the biggest thing that really separates them from, from Missouri is two things. A... You know, no, nothing against Trey Harris, but he's not the same level receiver that Luther Burden is. And again, that's not really meant to be a super big diss. It's just that Luther Burden is another level of wide receiver. And I think that's fine for Trey Harris not to be that, but it's not as big of a complication. And it's not, I believe, and I don't believe George is going to need to roll out Kamari in the slot uh, like they did against Missouri because Luther is such a threat in there. They needed to put their best receiver in that position. They're not. I don't think they're going to need to do that against a team like Ole Miss. Instead, they can focus a little bit more on Quinchon and a little bit more on Jackson Dart and a little bit more on getting to Jackson Dart as I think Ole Miss's offensive line just isn't at the same level that it was last year and it's not the same level that Missouri's is. Jackson Dart has taken 20 sacks uh, this year and even despite that, he's still gotten 300 yards and you know his legs are going to be the biggest threat to Georgia's defense, which has carved them up several times, Auburn especially, but even Brady Cook was running for a lot of yards, but Ole Miss's offensive line is not great, and I think that's going to be the biggest thing that Georgia's going to need to exploit this weekend. Yeah, you talked about Jackson Dart getting sacked 20 times this season. We also talked about Quinson Judkins a little bit. He's had the most carries in the SEC this year by a fairly significant margin, and he's only fourth in yards, potentially because of that weak offensive line. So it's it's going to be probably a matchup of, of weakness versus the strength for Georgia. That'll probably work out in Georgia's favor. But looking at the other side of the ball, Ole Miss is not very good on defense. They're just kind of average in every category. So what kind of attack are you expecting to see from Georgia in this one? I, I don't think I would see anything unlike what they've done before. Again, I don't think Ole Miss's defensive line is all that great. They generate a decent amount of pressure, right? And I think uh, Cedric Johnson does a good job of that. He's one of their outside linebackers. But their defensive line's run-stopping isn't anything extreme, you know, so I could easily see Dejon having a great game. If Brock Bowers makes a miraculous recovery in his back, which, you know, for an alien like him, I wouldn't be absolutely too surprised. I know he's running around. He doesn't have a, he doesn't have a brace on at all. While I'm not expecting to play, if he does play, obviously he's going to be targeted a good amount. Same thing with Ladd McConkey. I think just a balanced approach. They're facing a very balanced middle-of-the-road defense. I would imagine that they're going to kind of keep things even-keeled, get a little bit of everybody involved, and play some classic Georgia offense. Yeah, um, I, I mentioned that they were kind of average in both rushing and passing stats, but the one thing that they're not average in is that they're very good at getting to the quarterback. They've had 31 sacks this season, which is second in the SEC, 
and we saw that Georgia's offensive line struggle a little bit against Missouri. So I think that's that's definitely something to monitor in this game. And, but the running game has been very good all year, so I'm not, I'm not super worried about that from Georgia's front. But moving on to the broader stakes of this game, with the win, Georgia clinches the SEC, uh, SEC East, technically, uh, going to their third straight uh, SEC championship game. Do you think that's going to affect some of the urgency that the Bulldogs come out with in this one? I mean, I think that does affect urgency, but I also think you also have to look at the other circumstances around this game. Unlike kind of everything else on this schedule for Georgia, Ole Miss and, and Tennessee next week as well, but Ole Miss was one of those games that going into this year, we were like, okay, that actually might be a challenge for the Bulldogs. And I feel like that as we've kind of seen in previous years, especially last year, when a game is, is known to be a possible challenge, I think Georgia rises to it, especially if they know that going into the year. Kentucky was another game that people kind of looked at as like, this could be an interesting test for Georgia, and Georgia beat the wheels off of them. Same thing with Florida. They weren't able to do the same thing to Missouri, but I could easily see them really coming to play against an Ole Miss team that's number 10 in the country right now, might be number 9 uh, by the time that you know the college football playoff rankings come out and stuff like that. I think of course they want to win the SEC East, and of course they want that. But I also think that the fact that if Missouri beats Tennessee at 330, then Georgia doesn't even need to technically win to win the SEC East because that's already locked up for them. So ultimately, I don't think that's the reason they would play with fire. I think it's the fact that they're playing a top 10 opponent, that they're playing a, a, a game where game day's in town, where it's a night game, where the atmosphere is really risen up, and that Georgia really needs a, a dominant win prior to heading to Neyland Stadium and facing Tennessee. That's where I think... Georgia's momentum would come from, not the SEC East potential. Yeah, I think a- anytime you talk to Georgia players, they're like, this is this is just a game. We're trying to maintain the standard regardless of the opponent. But I do think this team kind of gets up for those big games. And just a fun little detail, this is Kirby Smart's coaching debut against Lane Kiffin. Former colleagues, I think that'll be a fun little subplot for this game. I think Kirby would like bragging rights in that conversation a little bit. So I think that's the, all of those factors will wind up in Georgia coming out to play for this one. Yeah, and I, I asked him about that because I was curious. Like, I felt like, yeah, there's got to be some bragging, some some bragging potential here and, and something that you can hold over. And I, I kind of asked about that to him today. And he said, no, no, it's it's about these kids. It's about getting the win. doesn't matter anything else. Uh, it, it's it's about them. It's it's not about us, but it's about them. Kirby Smart apparently has muted the group chat. You know, he's he's not talking to Lane. Lane's trying to reach out and, and, and talk to him, and, and Kirby's not responding for any reason. Kirby cares. Kirby really wants this one. I think that's pretty obvious based on everything we've been hearing and, and his attitude towards this one. He wants this win. Those two are really good friends that have poked at each other in the past. He wants this one. I don't think I think I think he's trying to play even keeled, but we see what's happening. All right, Owen. So given the fact that Kirby wants this one, even if he's playing it cool, would you give me a game pick, an offensive MVP, and a defensive MVP for this one? You know, John, I thought about giving you a game pick, but I don't really feel like it. I'm kidding. It's weird. It's weird that I'm going to say this because this is the exact same score I picked last week. Well, you know what? I didn't get it right, John, so I'm going with it again. I'm going 42-27. I think Georgia hits 40s in this game. I think the offense hums with or without Brock Bowers. Again, who knows what's going to happen with him. He's an alien, so I wouldn't be surprised if he's back for some reason. But I also know that this is an injury that Amarius Mims himself has had a hard time recovering from. But he, at the very least, is likely going to be playing. So I think Georgia's going to put up a lot of points, but Ole Miss is good. Ole Miss is very good. I don't think this will be as close of a game as Missouri was. I don't think it's going to be as tight of a battle, but I still think it's going to be a battle no matter what. If I'm going offensive MVP, I'm getting a good feeling from Dejon Edwards. I think this is one of those games where he takes over, where he, he kind of flexes his muscles 
hassles. And, you know, it's one of those things that after a poor performance from the offensive line against Missouri, which another thing that Kirby was absolutely dodging today at media availability stuff. I think the offensive line takes another step up, especially if Marius is back, especially if Xavier Truss is playing left guard again. I think the O-line takes a step up in this game, plays harder, plays with more grit, and I think Dejon Edwards is the one that ends up finding a lot of success out of it, although I could easily see Carson Beck or Ladd or any of those guys having success. But defensive MVP, I think Kamari's going to be on the back on the outside, and I think he's going to play really, really well against Trey Harris. They showed no problem moving guys around at the cornerback position. I know we had been talking about ourselves off air about how stuck they felt uh, at moments, but clearly they're they're willing to move guys around. I think Kamari Lasseter is going to shadow Trey Harris, and I can easily see Kamari, whether or not the stats dictate it, I can easily see him being the key reason why Georgia ends up winning by shutting that guy down. Yeah, I agree. I think this game is going to be pretty high scoring. I think it's 37-29 Georgia. I think Ole Miss doesn't have a great defense, so the Bulldogs are going to kind of have their way on offense. And I think Jackson Dart's legs make some trouble for the Bulldogs. On offense, I think Lad McConkey has another big game. It, it's felt like he's just totally revitalized this Georgia offense in the absence of Brock Bowers. Um, and on defense, I think Smile Munden has to have a big game, either spying on Jackson Dart or just containing Quinshawn Judkins in the running game, especially because Jamon Dumas-Johnson is out for this one, likely with a, a fractured arm. So I, they're just going to they're gonna need some help at linebacker, and I think Smile steps up for this one. Yeah, and I know the plan is to have Xavier Sori back, and I know um, obviously you've got a couple freshmen out there that will likely get some playing time, but Munden's calling plays out there uh, as the middle linebacker. He's going to have the green dot, so he's going to need to step up for this Georgia team, especially with Quinshawn Judkins being as talented of a running back as he is and how many times they're going to give him the football. He's going to have to be there. He's going to have to be present, and yeah, I like the pick because if, if he is the MVP, good chance Georgia wins by a, a decent margin. Absolutely. Uh, while we wait to see what Smile does on Saturday, thank you very much for coming on the show. I'm smiling ear to ear, John. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to Between the Headphones. I'm John James. You can find more episodes wherever you get your podcasts and at redandblack.com. For even more Georgia sports coverage, visit redandblack.com slash sports. We'll tee it up Between the Headphones again next week.